Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. That was beautiful. Thank you, Cameron. That was just a, a wonderful arrangement of a fantastic, wonderful hymn of the season that we've been talking about. We've been, since the first day of Advent, talking about some well-known Christmas carols. And they're hymns. They're hymns, which is why we've called this Advent series Hymn With Us. Little play on words there, right? About the coming of Jesus and how Christmas hymns, like the ones we're highlighting, they present the gospel, they tell the story, and how they're inspired by God's word. So we've been looking at them, diving into God's word, getting encouragement, and then singing, of course. And that beautiful carol that we just heard, God rest ye merry, gentlemen, it's said to be the oldest of all the Christmas carols. Dates back to the 16th century, 16th century England, perhaps 500 years, nearly 500 years, this hymn originated in, uh, in England. The original writer, it's unknown, but perhaps that's all for the best because in the 16th century, the song really wasn't embraced by the church, as beautiful as it is. Compared to the church music of the day, it was pretty upbeat. Had this upbeat melody at a time when the worship music in the church wasn't so upbeat. The lyrics were in the common language. People could sing it. When for the most part, at that time, the lyrics of the songs were in Latin. So some in the church, and especially the leaders, they didn't really like this song all that much. It was upbeat. There was even stories that people were dancing to God rest ye merry gentlemen. So it, it kind of upset the church. And hey, some things never change, right? Music in church? Oh, who struggles with that? Nobody, right? But that, that, that's not the point of this morning's sermon. That's just a little sidebar. Rather, the point that I want to talk about this morning is joy, joy that we have in the gospel and worship, which is above anything that we fear. Because joy of the gospel, that's biblical. It's biblical. It's embodied in this carol. And like all the other carols we've talked about, this song presents the Bible. And it does it from the very first verse. I want to talk about that a little bit and bring a little bit of the, the story behind this hymn and some of the history. That opening verse, which presents the gospel, it begins with a beautiful blessing, a sort of beatitude. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. On our 21st century English we hear that first phrase, and we might think it means something like this. 
Hey, God, relax, you happy guys. God rest you merry, gentlemen. But did you notice how I said it just a moment ago? God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Hundreds of years ago, there was a comma after Mary. The way this was said was, God rest ye merry, gentlemen. As a matter of fact, rest ye merry. It was not an uncommon phrase back in 16th century England. It was kind of a way to say goodbye or a way to just wish someone glad tidings. Give them a blessing. Rest ye merry. One might say, rest ye merry, sir. Shakespeare used the line in a few of his plays. And to understand really what it means, we have to look at a couple of the the words because languages change. And over 500 years, there's been change. The word rest and the word merry in the context of this phrase and in the 16th century, they had meanings that are different than how we use them today. The connotation of uh, the word rest in the context of this phrase, rest ye merry, it's more akin to make or keep or cause. I, I found this entry in a really old dictionary. It said this, rest, transitive verb, to keep, cause, continue, to remain. And then it gave two examples. Rest you fair, good senor. And then this one, God rest you merry, good people. In other words, God keep you merry. God cause you to be merry. But what's merry? Again, this word was a little bit different than how we might just see it as happiness and having a great time. In the Middle Ages and in the context, again, of the phrase, Mary could have this connotation. Strong, gracious, peace, content. So to say to someone, rest you Mary, it was to say, be kept strong or be kept at peace. Remain content. And when one would put God in front of this, then it becomes a blessing. God, keep you strong. God, grant you peace. God, keep you content. God, rest you merry, gentlemen. That's why the comma was there. God, rest you merry. There's that blessing. And then it's just aimed towards someone. It's not about God giving relaxation and respite to a bunch of happy people. No, God, keep you strong. God, grant you peace and contentment. Good people. Then, after that opening blessing, that great line, let nothing you dismay. Let nothing bring you down. Remember, Christ your Savior was born on Christmas Day. Don't be dismayed. Don't be distressed. Remember. 
When an angel appeared to shepherds in Bethlehem, they were out on the hillsides taking care of their sheep. The Gospel of Luke tells us they were terrified. Now that's a little bit beyond dismayed, isn't it? They were terrified. They were afraid. And then Luke recorded what we've already heard two times this morning. And it's worth repeating. Can't say it enough. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I'll bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Can't repeat that enough. Don't be afraid. Fear is an immobilizer. Fear is a paralyzer. Certainly it's a discourager. Fear can definitely make one dismayed. In 16th century England, what was there to fear or to be dismayed about? Well, in the early part of that century, King Henry VIII, he broke away from the Catholic Church. That had been the national church for centuries. And now there was a schism. There were people that wanted to remain faithful to the Catholic Church. And then others who were with the king caused a division. And when Henry died, his son Edward took over, but his reign was short. And then came Queen Mary. Now Mary wanted to reconcile with the Catholic Church. And she set about to persecuting the Protestants, the dissenters, those who were going away, those who Henry wanted to be distanced from the Catholic Church. Well, Mary began to persecute. She put hundreds to death, and she became known as Bloody Mary. Good thing is her reign was short-lived. When she died in 1558, her half-sister Elizabeth became queen. She took the throne. Elizabeth broke away from the Catholic Church, and she declared the independence of the Church of England. Back and forth. Can you imagine living through these times? I'll go to this church. No, we're true to that side. We're true to this side. And these are your kings and your queens telling you this. People's lives were in turmoil. Well, then Queen Elizabeth pushed beyond her borders. She supported the Dutch resistance of French Catholicism. She supported a Protestant. It was called a Huguenot at the time. He was an heir to the Catholic church throne in France. She meddled in Ireland. She sent troops. She sent arms. She sent money. Then Spain responded. In 1558, they sent in the Spanish Armada. And the goal was to conquer the Protestant church of England. England prevailed But for the next 15 years, these two countries were at war. Ah, England incurred all kinds of debt because of war. Their poverty increased. Crime increased. People were trying to alleviate their, their issues, their poverty. Religious turmoil. 
persecution, executions, war, poverty, crime. There was nothing to be dismayed about, right? And, and these were the conditions of the time. People certainly could be in fear. They could be discouraged. And yet the author of this hymn writes, let nothing you dismay. Remember. Remember Jesus. Remember Christ. He was born on Christmas Day. Now we're not living at the end of the 16th century. Yet the times we are living in have caused many to be fearful there's the virus there's wars there's rumors of wars you can read about Putin and Crimea and all of that and there uh, there's been crime waves through many of the cities in our country many people are fearful beyond dismayed even immobilized by fear don't be afraid don't be afraid Remember, you have a savior. And in these times, it might be easy to become dismayed. But remember Jesus. Remember your savior. Get, in, get into his word. It's, it's full of hope. It's full of hope and encouragement. It, the, the word of God bids us to fear not throughout the word. Why? Because we have a great and we have an almighty God and we have a greater purpose beyond just this life, eternal life. Let me give you some examples of the encouragement from the word of God to not be afraid. Psalm 46, Psalm 46, the first seven verses read this way. God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God Almighty is with us? God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble, and that's any trouble, be it viruses or wars or rumors of wars or crime waves or whatever. God is our refuge and our strength. Therefore, we will not fear. The Lord Almighty is with us. A few more examples. Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower, a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Do not grieve, for the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And what did the angel say? What did the angel say that we've read three times now this morning? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Your Savior's born. Your Savior's here. The Lord Almighty is with us. That's his name after all. Emmanuel, God is with us. So don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be immobilized by fear. And you know, that doesn't mean be foolish. It doesn't mean to act rash. It doesn't mean to be reckless or impulsive. Not being afraid does not mean that we put God to the test. I I remember years ago, and I can't quote it perfectly, but I remember a a sermon James Beale was giving. And he said something like this, if you drive your car over a cliff, don't expect God to just reach out his hand and catch it. There's a law at work, and it's called the law of gravity. See, to be fearless, it doesn't necessarily give us a license to be reckless or to give God a a test. It's not good biblical interpretation of I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But this is whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening all around you, the Lord Almighty is with you. You do not have to be immobilized by fear. Remember the good news. Remember the good news. You have a Savior, Christ Jesus the Lord. He saves us all from Satan's power when we've gone astray. And that's why we need not fear. That's why we need not fear. Satan, the enemy's got nothing on us. He's got nothing on us when we're in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we have received eternal life by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Satan's got nothing on us. He's the accuser of the brethren. He is a liar, but he's got nothing on us because the righteousness of Jesus Christ stands before us. We need not fear. We have eternal life in Jesus. He gave his life to save us all from Satan's power. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were astray, lost in sin. And Jesus gave his life. He died for us. In just a few short lines, a 500-year-old hymn expressed this this great blessing of God to keep from fear because the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus coming to this world defeated Satan's power and it saved us from death, hell, and the grave. Now the church back then, they might not have liked it because it was an upbeat song to them and the people were maybe even dancing to the music. But the words were solid biblically. The words declared the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of love that overcomes fear and brings comfort and joy. That song goes on. We we heard a couple more of the verses. It gives the account of the angels. 
announcing Christ's coming to the shepherds and how they went to Bethlehem to see Jesus. Some of the oldest copies of this hymn have five, even six verses going through that part of the account of Jesus coming. But then there's the last verse. That last verse is just such a great culmination that brings the hymn to the close. And as I've learned a little bit more about this, it's really just become my favorite. And it's the way that I want to close the service this morning. Here's how that last verse goes. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas, all others doth deface. From that first verse, that first verse that said, don't fear, remember, we have a Savior, Jesus. He, he came to the world on Christmas morning. He vanquished Satan, conquered him. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. And of course, in that we can take comfort and we can be joyful. And then to this last verse. Oh, sing praises to the Lord. Yes, sing praises to the Lord for what he's done. That we have to, we, we have to fear nothing because we have eternal life. Sing praises to the Lord. Christ be magnified. Christ be magnified. Let his praises ring and arise. Everyone, everyone sing praises because what, what Jesus has accomplished for us. And then with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. This expresses the community of saints, the communion of saints. And, and that's common unity. Community, communion, common unity. And we have a common unity. We have a common bond in Jesus. What's brought us all together this morning? We're all from different families. We're all from, we're different ages. We're young. We're old. We have different backgrounds. We're from different places on the, on the earth. What has brought us together this morning? We have a common unity in Jesus. We have a common unity in Jesus Christ. And we're meant to be together. We heard, we heard Brother Noah say that a, a little bit ago. That there, there is a body. The New Testament describes us as a body. Fit together. United. Embrace others. Don't be an island. A body doesn't have a hand over here. And then a, a foot and a leg over here. No, a body's together. It's united. And that's the, that's the example of the New Testament that we are to be a body connected. I'm sure at the end of the 16th century, when there were wars and persecutions and all the turmoil in, in the church that was fractured and broken, there were no doubt people scattered. Many probably felt on their own. And we're living through a time where People have become islands. Some are just living in isolation. Some are even fearing to come out. And that can't be permanent because that's not the body. If you know someone isolated, alone, 
Reach out in some way. Reach out, connect, cards, calls, whatever way you can. And let them know they're not alone. They are part of, part of a body with true love and brotherhood. Each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas. All others doth deface. That last line sounds a little strange, doesn't it? But it's my favorite line in this whole carol. This holy tide of Christmas. That's just Jesus. Jesus is Christmas. And Jesus is above all. Jesus is over all. He's over everything. All others doth deface. That means Jesus outshines them all. Deface, again, 16th century. It meant to blot out, to obliterate, to outshine. Above everything, all idols, all gods, all philosophies, all deities conjured up in, in men's minds, above every religion, Jesus is above them all. He blots them out. He outshines them all because there is nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing superior, nothing above Jesus, period. That's the theme uh, in the letter to the Hebrews. That letter opens telling us Jesus is the final word. And then it goes on. It teaches that Jesus is greater than Moses. He is superior to all the angels. He is above each and every priest. All others doth deface. Jesus is above all others. This holy tide of Christmas, this Jesus, all others. He outshines. He blots them out. That letter to the Hebrews, it goes on to say, and it's only by his sacrifice, only by his blood, that one can overcome sin. His sacrifice is the only way to be reconciled to God. Jesus is above all, and it's only by him. If you're, if you're connected to some other philosophy, some other God, he's above it. It will not reconcile you to God. It's only by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who gave his life to pay the penalty for sin, the only way that we can be reconciled to God Almighty. And that's why that last line and what it's saying is so beautiful. And it's such a great way to bring that, that whole hymn to a close. It begins with Jesus being born and then reminding us, praise him. Be together and united. Jesus is above all. You can take in, I trust, God rescue Mary differently than before. And because of the coming of Christ and his conquering of Satan, I pray you're motivated to praise God and to join others in the body of Christ, in the community of saints, knowing with confidence 
an assurance without any fear that Jesus is above all. He is the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords and he outshines every other false God and there's nothing above him, nothing. Today is the third Sunday of Advent which traditionally represents joy. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior is born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is that you this morning? Would you, would you stand and let's close this service joyfully? And singing this, this great hymn, perhaps the oldest Christmas carol ever. Let's sing it with gusto. Let's, let's sing it like we're in the 16th century. And maybe we could dance a little bit and have, have joy knowing Christ came for us and he died for us. Let's sing it with gusto this morning, with joy in our hearts, because we know Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's sing together. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father a blessed angel came and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Lift it up now. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. This holy tide of Christmas, all others doth deface. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Jesus, thank you, Lord. We praise you and honor you for all you've done, all you're doing and all you're gonna do. Thank you, God. Lord, I just pray over this congregation and everyone who's connected this morning to us. God, may your holy blessing rest on each one. Lord, if there's any who have not seen Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords, they've not seen and known in their heart that he is the one and the true and the final sacrifice that can reconcile them unto their creator, God, and win them eternal life. God, I just pray Lord, right now, you begin to work on that heart, Lord, because there is none other than Jesus. No other name than Jesus. 
He is the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. There's nothing above him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is above all. All others he doth deface. God, we thank you for that. Lord, if there's any in fear, any dismayed this morning, God, I just pray you'd press into their hearts a reminder of their Savior, Jesus. Remember, Christ, your Savior was born for you, and he died for you. Thank you for that, God. Thank you. Bless your people as they go. Keep them. Carry them. And bring us back together as a community that has that common bond in our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.